When it comes to scents, you should pick ones that smell like, well, you. Target gets it, which is why they offer a range of personal care products with fragrances for everyone. Be true to floral you with Dove Peony and Rose Body Wash. Live your fresh life with Degree Ultra Clear Deodorant. Express your decadent side with Love Beauty and Planet Coconut Shampoo. This spring, choose care that brings you joy beyond labels. Pick up new favorites at a Target near you or online at Target.com. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to yet another episode of Spin Magazine's Lip Service. My guest today is one of the most talented and most accomplished hip-hop artists of our generation. He's an entrepreneur, author, podcaster, and so much more. He is Talib Kweli. You also might know him, by the way, as one half of Black Star uh, with Most Def, which is one of the most influential hip-hop albums of all time in the 90s especially. He's got a new podcast out called The Midnight Miracle with Dave Chappelle, who he's had a long history with, and he's collaborated with everyone, including Kanye, Dave Chappelle, obviously, Anderson Pack, Mary J. Blige, John Legend, The Neptunes, Kendrick Lamar, you name it. So coming up in just a second, Talib Kweli. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. <sighs> it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook Cheddar, extraordinary dairy. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey, it's Scott, and welcome back to another episode of Lip Service. My next guest is one of the most talented and accomplished hip-hop artists of our generation. He is Talib Kweli. How are you, my man? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Great to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, of course. So I want to get into your whole history and your path and, and journey and your new podcast and some of the gigs you have coming up and all that stuff. But take me back to the beginning, if you don't mind. Like you grew up in Brooklyn, I believe, Park Slope, right? Yes, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Park Slope is where I spent most of my childhood. Um, I spent my early childhood in Park Slope. I spent my teenage years in East Flatbush. Awesome, awesome. And when did you kind of realize that, like, I know that you were into academics young when you were younger, like, when did you realize that you had this bug for music and literature was a, a huge thing for you growing up? Uh, my parents are both professors. My mother is an is a English teacher. Um, she has a, a love for reading, a love for books. She used to make sure that we were at libraries and museums and whatnot on the weekends. And so, you know, my father is a sociology professor. Um, and so, yeah, that's, my parents are really the inspiration behind my affinity for literature. Yeah, a family of academics. That's amazing. You were like writing poems and short stories growing up, right? Yes, absolutely. 
And at a certain point, when did you realize like music was going to be your calling? Um, maybe when I was 14, 15, I would say. 14, 15, I was really into baseball. Um, I played all over Brooklyn. I played at Flatlands and Park, Prospect Park. And, you know, and then I played up and down the coast. I was really into baseball. But um, then I went away to boarding school. And I guess, yeah, when I was in boarding school, I started rapping when I was like 14, 15. No, excuse me. When I was like 13, 14. But when I when I got to boarding school, hip hop became my connection with the city because I was going away to school in Connecticut. So hip hop became a way for me to really identify myself. And I feel like that's the point when I knew that everything in my life had to be geared towards making that type of music. And what were some of your early influences? I know like De La Soul was, was huge and, and inspiration for you growing up, but what were some of the other, you know, musical sort of elements around you that inspired you to get into what you're doing? Yeah, my father had an amazing record collection because he was trying to be a college radio DJ back in the day. Oh, cool. Um, and so there was all, all types of records in the house and music was always a part of that experience growing up. Um, my father also used to like to listen to the radio a lot. So listen to radio, and being in New York City around the time when hip hop is, is, is coming of age um, was, uh, was very influential on me as a musician. Um, yeah, just, and, and hip hop being not just a music, but also an entire culture that one could participate in. Did you get into sampling at all when you were younger? Did you check out like, you know, Paul's Boutique or Public Enemy? Was sampling sort of something that really took you early on? Did I get into sampling, you said? Yeah, just, you know, I mean, I, you know, some of the early records were obviously sampling. I was just watching this documentary, yeah. this Mark Ronson documentary about sampling, and it was so interesting, you know, Paul's Boutique and Public Enemy and some of the early records that were using sampling early on. Was that something that ever, like, took you early on when you got into music? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, again, my father had a great record collection. So, um, you know, a lot of those early records, if you read, if I read the back credits, see where the music came from, it would be records that my father had in his collection. So it was fun for me to go back and hear a record. And, you know, when I first started really paying attention to hip hop on a participatory level, and where I'm really caring about the production was in junior high school, around 87. Um, Public Enemy was one of the first things, don't believe the hype, all the vocals said, and yeah. I wanted to know who Harry Allen was, like all those yeah. little things. <laughs> they, they, they were very, that was fascinating to me. Um, Eric B and Rakim, um, the music they were making. Uh, Marley Maul, the music Marley Maul was making. Marley Maul's radio show on, 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 on WBLS. He was up against Red Alert. And I was actually more of a fan of Red Alert's radio show. But mm. as a producer and the music that Marley was making was, you know, Red Alert wasn't making music like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and um, what Marley did can't be like overstated in terms of when you talk about sampling. Definitely. Um, you know, I think it's really like, yeah, Marley Mall for me is 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 the goat when it came to like figuring out how to freak them samples. And then it's like Large Professor, and then it's like Diamond D and Showbiz and them and um DJ Premier and Pete Rock, of course. Um, these are giants when it comes to sampling music. And um, uh, that's is, is one of the most beautiful parts of hip hop that, you know, it, it was it took a long time for us to learn the proper way to pay respect and, and, and homage and tribute and money to the people who were being sampled. But the actual art of it 
And it's now that you can't really get away with sampling. Well, you know, you know, hip hop is a rebel art form, right? So even if you do get away with a sample, it's still hip hop somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's funny, uh, DJ Premier was featured in this Mark Bronson documentary and it was incredible the way they just broke down songs and, and actually they, they made a song, Mark Bronson and, and DJ Premier actually made a song together and just the process of making music was incredible to watch him work in that respect. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's great. No, I haven't seen it. It's really good. So at a certain point you end up meeting most deaf in high school. Yes. Yeah, so how did you guys meet and how'd you end up collaborating with him? Uh, I met Yasin Bey um, in Washington Square Park. Um, no, I met him. Did I meet him in the park? Yeah, I met him in the park. Um, he was a, a Brooklyn artist who had achieved local fame. He had been in commercials and some TV shows, but he was also an incredible MC back then. And he was somebody who would come around and he was just very generous with his time and his energy and the way he treated folks. And um, we developed a friendship. We had children, children around the same time. Um, and he used to visit my bookstore. We just developed a, a real good friendship. And at what point did you guys decide to make music together? Like how did that whole thing come about for you guys? Um, I, I left a record, was this a tape? It was probably a tape. I left a cassette at his house of a record I was working on with High Tech. I was calling it Reflection Eternal. And it was just a few songs that High Tech and I had done. And Yasin really liked it. And we started talking about a collaboration. And we did one with Mr. Man from the Bush Babies called Fortified Live, which ended up being the first record that I ever dropped. It was my first single. And we were off to the races from there. And he responded to the tape and that was it. Yeah, he just really, really enjoyed the music I was making. And, and we started, you know, vibing on a musical level. Awesome, awesome. In 1998, you guys recorded this legendary record, Black Star, one of the most influential hip hop records of all time, Electric Ladyland Studios. That studio yes. is incredible, oh, no, by the no, way. Black Star sport? wasn't at Electric Lady. Black Star was recorded. We started it, my friend Kendra Ross, her father, uh, Bob Ross, I think that's his name. Forgive me if I'm saying this wrong. Kendra, that's right. And Mr. Ross, um, her father was a musician. He had a studio in Los Angeles. Yasin was working on a movie. Uh, I think it was called Where's Marlo? I think it was the name of the movie. Uh, and um, he, he had us all stay in his hotel suite. It was myself, my brother Rich Mason, Jay Rawls, High Tech. And we all stayed in this one hotel suite with Yasin while he was working on his movie. And we would go to the studio every night and work on this album. And then we got back to Brooklyn and we went to work in Funky Slice Studios downtown Brooklyn because when you read the back of these album covers, again, it would see that Big Daddy Kane and, and MC Light and people like that would work at Funky Slice. So that's where we went. And I, I was working at the bookstore and I would use, Ruckus gave me money, but it wasn't enough often. And I would use uh, money I got from Ruckus and money I got from working at a bookstore to pay for studio sessions at studios around New York City. So we worked at Platinum Island a couple of times, Funky Slice. Um, but yeah, Electric Lady was later. And did you master the record, Electric Lady? It was just, you just ended up doing some overdubs. No, I don't know who did the mastering. Whoever, whoever was like the best mastering guy in the business on hip hop side at the time is who mastered the Black Star record. I don't okay. know who that was, but I know that Ruckus was, we were very serious about making sure the mastering was correct. Awesome. And by the way, I heard there's a second Black Star record that's not been released. Uh, do you guys have plans to release that? I, I know that there's some talk of that coming out, right? Oh uh, yeah, we're trying to figure out the best way to release that right now. Um, uh as it is it is in progress we've recorded a lot of songs for it it sounds amazing and i'm excited to let people hear it 
Definitely, definitely. Do you think that record will come out this next year? Do you, do you have any plans for, for 2022? I don't know. Uh, you know, time is a funny thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, hopefully soon. By the way, during this pandemic, every day is like Groundhog's Day, right? I don't even know what day it is. I wake up and I'm oh, like, yeah, it's, like it's like a whole year was <laughs> taken away from us. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So you worked with some incredible artists. And, and I want to take it back a little bit because some of your solo records, you work with everyone. I mean, there's almost no one that you hadn't worked with. Kanye West, obviously Anderson Pack, Mary J. Blige, John Legend, The Neptunes, Kendrick Lamar. What are some of your sort of fondest memories, Talib, like working with some of those artists? When you work with Kanye, was he Kanye at that point? Was he just a new producer that was starting out? Uh, Kanye um, was always very uh, confident and very headstrong and very sure, very ambitious, uh, extremely, extremely talented, one of the best musicians of all time, I, in my opinion. Um, and um, he's always was always very gracious and uh, very passionate. So passionate that uh, if you lack passion in your life, you feel uncomfortable when he's in a room. Yeah. So you end up working together with him, but did you have any indication he would become what he became today at that point? Absolutely. Um, if, if I didn't feel it myself, it didn't matter. Kanye told us. Kanye was like, <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. I'm going to have the most, I'm going to be the, I'm going to have a fashion label. I'm going to, you know, he laid, he told me about all the first three albums. Like in the first few months I met him, he didn't even have a record deal yet. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, it, even if we didn't know, it didn't matter. He knew. I love that. I love that. And you end up working on get by with him, right. Which became one of your biggest selling records of all time. So tell me about that process and that song and what it meant to you and, and you know, what it did for your career, obviously. Uh, get by is, is, it's my free bird, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> People love it, and um, I'm glad that people love it, and it's provided me with a career and a way to feed my family, and it's, it's a part of the cultural lexicon when it comes to hip-hop music, and um, it's a record I'm very proud of, and I'm very honored that, that people still love it so much. Definitely. It's iconic, for sure. Out of the Neptunes and Kanye and all these incredible producers you work with, is there one that sort of stands out in your memory that you like working with the most and that you would revisit at some point? I mean, yeah, I mean, all the producers I work with. I mean, high tech, of course, uh, the, the chemistry we have is is undeniable. Um, I always cite working with DJ Quick because it's not that I work with him a lot, but I worked with him. Uh, the times in which I worked with DJ Quick, I learned a lot in a short period of time. Mm. Um, working with Jay Dilla, working with Madlib, people like that uh, has been uh, very uh, integral to my career. Definitely. That. Let's talk about your new record for a minute, Gotham which is great. It came out 2021 this year. Let's talk about the videos and the single and, and this release this year, because obviously it's the newest thing you put out, right? Yeah, Gotham is, I'm excited about it. Uh, Diamond D produced every beat on it. Uh, it's a project in collaboration with Diamond D. Diamond D is, of course, one of the architects when you talk about sampling. I don't know if he was in that movie, um, but he should have been if he's not, if he wasn't. Um, he's one of the architects of, of the type of hip hop that I enjoy, the type yeah. of hip hop that I'm best at making. Um, and so working with him was just a natural fit. Um, and, you know, we, we're probably going to make some more of that Gotham music. Amazing. And so any new singles that are coming out on this record? Do you have uh, plans, more plans to tour for this um, record? We're going to put out a couple more videos. Uh, I don't, what does the single mean in this era anyway for artists like that? I don't even know. I, that's true. You know it's almost, yeah, true, true. Yeah, but it, I mean, we are going to drop some more visuals from this project, certainly. Okay. And I see that you have some shows coming up, right? I think there's some shows coming up in October. 
in Brooklyn? Yeah, trepidatiously so. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about doing shows at this time, like with everything going on? Oh, I don't mind. Um, I, you know, if it's, I'm not going to put myself or my family or society at risk uh, over a show or a check ever. So, you know, the show's got to be right. And as long as the shows are right and everybody's following protocol and everybody's agreeing uh, to a certain way to move when it comes to being around each other at my show, I'm all in. Yeah, the messages are kind of tricky, right? Because you look at Rolling Loud, you look at Lala Plus, and there's, I don't know, it feels like thousands and thousands of people there, but then you have to wear the masks inside. And I just feel like it's just a, such a tricky time for artists to go on tour at this point, right? We don't know what the future holds. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know the protocols for Rolling Loud or, or Lala Plus. It does look wild when I see it on the grand. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, I've been blessed to be doing a lot of shows with uh, Dave Chappelle. I just did Vegas. And, and um, you know, radio, we did Radio City. Um, last night, uh, we, Dave uh, premiered, not premiered, but uh, uh, screened his film at the Kennedy Center. Um, we had a great time there. And the protocols, I mean, we did Foxwoods. They, they tested 28,000 people. Wow. So it's, you know, if, if you want to get it right, it's possible to get yeah. it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, and again, I don't know how those other festivals are moving or what it takes to get it in in the festival, but I feel like everyone has to assess their own level of personal risk and, and move accordingly. So um, they literally tested twenty eight thousand people when they arrived, or was it you had to show proof? It was it was a process. It's you know yeah. over over the weekend. That's you know that's the amount of people who came to see the shows. Wow. I think I might be getting those numbers wrong, but either way, it was a it was a shit ton of people. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, it's tricky, <laughs> so tricky. But talk about your relationship with Dave for a moment, Telly, because obviously you've had a long standing relationship with him. You guys have your podcast now, which is incredible, and obviously you've been in this podcast game for a while. Do you enjoy being on this side of it? I've or been do you in like- this podcast game for a while. Am I am I approaching podcast OG status? I don't <laughs> I, I don't feel I like a couple I years, am. right? A couple of years, a couple right? Years, two years, yeah. about, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, you know, it's funny because when I started this, I think three years ago, I feel like there was like a million podcasts. Now there's like three million. In two years, it's exploded. <laughs> right, right. And so I guess, yeah, two years is uh, the way things are moving so fast in the space. But do you prefer being on this end of it or do you love doing your own shows? Like, what do you prefer? I mean, I, it's weird because I still have feel guilty about the fact that I work so hard on this music and these bars. And people just want to hear me talk, right. you know, and I feel like I'm cheating people sometimes. But then I'm reminded that the reason people want to hear me talk is because the work I put in as a no musician, question. as yeah. a musician. And I think that, uh, you know, people re- are really invested in podcasts. They're really invested in this idea of communicating in this way. And a large part of what I do is is communicate. And so it's a natural fit. And I enjoy it. I enjoy people's party immensely. It's one of the great joys in my life. And um, and so is Midnight Miracle. And yeah. these things are organic. Uh, people's party is with Jared, who started uh, Ruckus back in the day. Midnight yeah. Miracle is with Yasin Bey, the great Yasin Bey, yeah. the great Dave Chappelle. And the guests that we've had on there, the conversations we've had on there, the experiences I've had with that show are just amazing. They're life-changing for me. Yeah, and People's Party just had DMX, obviously, not long ago, and Ice Cube in the game. And so... Let's talk about the DMX interview, obviously so legendary. And, you know, when you reflect on that now, you know, and uh, rest in peace. I mean, how do you feel about looking back on that interview? I know you guys spent the weekend together. I think that he like cooked you crab legs with Dave, right? So probably yeah. great memories when you think about it and you reflect yeah. back on it, right? Yeah. Well, DMX is somebody who I would run into several times throughout my career. And it's, he's never someone whose phone number I had in my phone. 
Mm. I've never had a relationship where I could call DMX and be like, what's good? Yeah. Um, but I saw him a lot. Um, we that's not true. That's that's not true that we never did. When we first met, we had phones, but what what would what did that mean? I had a Nokia. What did that, what did that even mean back then? To have a phone. The flip what did that phone. mean? Yeah. It, you know what I'm saying? Phones are so yeah. much, you know, we communicated because we met when he wanted to jump on this project I was doing called Hip Hop for Respect, Yasin Bay. Um, and he did call me. I don't remember how he got my phone number or whatever, but over the years we run into each other. And it was always like a mutual respect um, on the MC level. Mm. He was always like, yo, this, the way that you rap and you as a rapper and, you know, he was just so gracious at all times with giving it up for the other artists. That's all he was focused on. Um, I did a show with him at the Soul Rebels at Brooklyn Bowl and the things he said to me, I'll cherish for as long as I live. And um, he was quite spiritual then, too, obviously, right? Obviously, what'd you say? He was quite spiritual. Yeah, he was. I mean, I have a, on my YouTube page, I have from back like a couple of years ago, I have a, a little YouTube show I was doing called uh, Vibrate Higher TV, and um, which I now have on my Patreon page. Um, but there, I have a clip of DMX and myself praying together mm. because that was his entire relationship with me. We'd pray all the time whenever I saw him. And um, when he came through Cincinnati and then Yellow Springs, it, that was a special, special day. And um, I'm glad to have spent that time with him. I'm glad to have done that interview with him. And he actually, he cooked for you guys, right? Wasn't didn't he? He did. Crab he legs brought crab legs. I thought <laughs> he was not coming because he was very, very late. And his manager, who I was talking to, kept saying, he's looking for crab legs. And that just sounded strange, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I was just, I, in the back of my head, I was like, he's not coming. Yeah. And then he shows up with like bushels of crab legs. <laughs> uh, bushels might have been the wrong word, but in my mind is bushels. Yeah. How was dinner, by the way? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And what he did, it was funny because he was funny about it. He was like, yo, my crab legs is different because what I do is, is I take the crab legs, the meat out the crab leg. And he, <laughs> he was very careful to make sure that we didn't have to deal with the actual crab leg. All right. Cause he took them out of the shell and he right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, and, and some of the other interviews you did, obviously ice cube, the game, like which ones stand out, you know, in your head in terms of like the most important interviews you've done on people's party. Cause obviously it's such a great podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, all of them are important. All of them are. The reason why People's Party works is because it doesn't matter how many people know you or how many people don't. All of these interviews are important. Um, you know, I had never heard of Roy Choi before I interviewed him, but getting to learn about him was amazing for me. Um, Big Frida was great for me. And for me to represent that community with that interview and for me to challenge myself to to interview more people from the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Um, uh, Chuck D, whose birthday it was yesterday. Um, you know, just me being able to give that man his flowers. DMX, obviously. Recently, um, the ones upcoming, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to Terrace Martin, uh, which is one we have coming up. I think it just dropped on Luminary today, actually. Um, I'm very excited about that interview. Um, my brother, Jamal Green. The fact that I'm able to interview my brother, the fact that me and my brother dropped books the same year, and I'm able to interview him on my podcast uh, was very, very, very important for me. And how did, how did the podcast come about with Dave Chappelle, The Midnight Miracle? Because obviously this is something that you guys just started a year ago. Tell me about like the process and how you guys started and how you met him, obviously. You have a long-standing um, relationship with him. 
we were hanging out talking about podcasts and, you know, I was, I was talking about people's party and talking about why podcasts work and what people like about podcasts. And Yasin Bey was the one that we, we were all in Yellow Springs. And he was the one to be like, Dave, you should do a podcast. And Dave is like, if I do a podcast, I'm doing it with y'all. And we started just, you know, talking about it. And Dave went and found a company or they found him either way, you know, luminary that, he liked what they were talking about and he presented the offer to Yasin and myself and, and we thought it was a great idea. And we, we, we had been simmering and trying to figure out ideas and how we were going to do it. And then the pandemic happened and then Dave started flying comedians and other people to Yellow Springs to throw these shows. Mm. And he flew me out to Yellow Springs. And when he flew me out to Yellow Springs, we, it made sense for us to start doing the podcast. And in terms of the future, like do you have guests lined up this year, like a lot more shows coming up on that? Um, we recorded all, everything that we've done so far was recorded last year in, or some, a couple episodes at the top of this year, but most of it last year in Yellow Springs. So we have tons, we have hours, hundreds of hours of recordings awesome. of things that not hundreds, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. A lot. Yeah. I don't want to exaggerate. We have a lot of, of, of hours of content and things that we've recorded. Um, and we're trying to be fluid with how we, we release it. We just released the first part and if, if soon come, there's gonna be another drop, another batch is gonna come out. What's it like working with Dave, by the way? He's such an incredible comedian. Dave is a revolutionary. He's an icon. He's my brother. He's one of my favorite people. And he's uh, one of the greatest business partners that anybody could ever hope to have. Awesome. That's cool. So let's talk about your label too, Jaboti Media. Do you guys have any uh, film projects, book projects coming up for this next year? Um, right now, Jaboti is focused on Talib Kweli music and things that Talib Kweli um, is involved in. I, I hate to speak about myself third person, <laughs> right. but I've, I've spent a lot of time with Jaboti Media focusing on other artists. And when I say Talib Kweli, I mean also my family. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, my kids do music. I'm Amani Fela, Tiani sure. Ashe. I'm focused on their music. Um, and I've worked with a lot of great artists and made a lot of great relationships. And many of them I still have to this day. But Javodi Media right now, you know, our partnerships are things that we're doing with, with things that I'm doing. So, uh, you know, Javodi Media released the Gotham Project along with Diamond Mom, which is Diamond's company. But, you know, that made sense for me right now. So that's what I'm focused on things that are at qualityclub.com and things that we've already put out. Awesome. So I want to talk about October 14th, 15th. I think you have a couple shows coming up at the Brooklyn bowl, which is great. So what can we kind of be looking forward to at the end of this year for you? Oh, rocking, rollicking good time. We plan <laughs> I love to it. jam. That's the plan. I love it. And, and lastly, Tyler, what are some of your, like, if you had to name your five desert Island discs, what would those be? Uh, we're going to say, Love Supreme by John Coltrane. We're going to say Talking Blues by Bob Marley. We're going to say Done by the Forces of Nature by the Jungle Brothers. It's three. Maybe the uh, second Black Star record that's not out yet? Mm, I don't know. Let's <laughs> come out first. We're going to say, and this is just how I feel today, because this could change sure. tomorrow. Of course. We're going to say Mama's Gun by Erica Badu. And we're going to say Dots and Loops by Stereolab. Well, make sure you check out the new record, obviously October 14th, 15th, Brooklyn Bowl. Anything else we should know, Tully, before we let you go? Uh, no, nah, just, you know, uh, enjoy people's party. Uh, I have new music coming out all the time. So just go find it and uh, 
Thank you for the love. I appreciate, I appreciate you. it. I appreciate it. Have a blessed day. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on. You too, man. Okay. Thank you, Scott. See you soon. Of course. Peace. Okay. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted. Where I felt adventures pulse with every step. And where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Well, that was great. And what another great show. Talib Kwale, awesome artist, one of the most inspiring and accomplished hip-hop artists of our generation. So great time on the show. Appreciate you all tuning in. If you like the show, please make sure you rate and review the show. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted. Where I felt adventures pulse with every step. And where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota. So little time.